0: Welcome to the Bring Your Product Idea to Life podcast. This is the podcast for you if you're getting started selling products or if you'd like to create your own product to sell. I'm Vicky Weinberg, a product creation coach and Amazon expert. Every week, I share friendly, practical advice as well as inspirational stories from small businesses. Let's get started. Hi, today on the podcast I'm talking to Kate Smith from The Makery. Kate set up The Makery in 2009 on a mission to teach the world how to craft. Fast forward 14 years, two books, a Dragon's Den appearance, an internationally distributed project range and nearly 150,000 customers having attended her craft workshops and events, Kate is now dedicating much of her time to helping other creative entrepreneurs achieve their full potential and run successful businesses doing what they love. So we had a fascinating conversation, as you can probably guess from that brief intro. Kate um, has done a lot in the past, or oh, I can't remember how many years, but in the past couple of years, she's done a lot. She has a lot to share with us, um, a lot she's learned, and, and we also talk about what she's doing now to support other entrepreneurs, and particularly those in creative businesses. So I would love now to introduce you to Kate. So hi, Kate. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Can we start with you, please give an introduction to yourself, your business and what you're doing right now. And then we'll we'll go backwards from there.
1: Sure. Um, So my name is Kate Smith and I set up the makery in... 2009, um, kind of on a mission to teach as many people how to craft as I possibly could. Um, what I'm doing now is, after lots of things in between, um, there's three pillars really to my business now. So, may, the first thing that I spend a lot of my time doing is consultancy. So, I help large, usually quite large, creative businesses um, achieve whatever goals they want to achieve. So, whether it's supporting them with marketing and their teams, whether it's working on PR, whether it's helping them do a lot around education, um, all sorts of things. And that's the great thing because I've had my own business for quite a long time. I can be quite agile with what I help them with. So that's great fun. Um, I also have a really large, wonderful team of my own we're up to about 56 now, all amazing crafters dotted all over the country. And we host lots of creative workshops and events and team building and things like that. Um, Anything from working, doing kind of creative workshops in retail to hosting team building activities for all sorts of different companies. So that's brilliant as well. And then I also work with lots of small, creative, entrepreneurial businesses um, and do similarly to what I do with large businesses, but basically just help them build, um, you know, gain success through doing what they love. So whether that's um, one-to-one coaching, um, or I also have like a six-week course that I wrote and launched two to three times a year to try and help as many people as possible, um, yeah, progress their businesses and, and enjoy success.
0: Well, thank you so much for that introduction. And yeah, you, you definitely do a lot, Kay. And the reason I I specifically said talk about what you do now is because you do such a lot. And I know you've had a really interesting journey since 2009 as well. And there's been a lot that you've done during that time, some of which of course you've built on and some of which, um, I guess you're not doing anymore. So yeah. do you want, yeah, to, do you want to talk a little bit about this, about the makery and the store and the story of it? Because I think it's genuinely really interesting. <laughs>
1: um, well I was working in uh like film uh, like media, TV, advertising, things like that, um in London. And I loved it, but I just always thought I had an, my own business in me. So um went traveling for a bit, did lots of brainstorming and everything just kept coming back to the fact that I love, I've always loved crafting and I wanted to teach as many other people how powerful that can be as well. Um, so moved out of Bath, moved out to Bath, out of London um, and just <laughs> set up the makery. Um, yeah, in 2009, crazy. Like about a few months after we got married and I think we got the keys to the business Uh about 10 weeks before our first child was born, which is so often the case of people who run their own businesses. You do everything all at once. Um, so it was a crazy time, but very exciting. Um, yeah, so opened up the Makery, um, had like launched the website and just wanted to teach people. So I was running workshops and um a lot, quite a lot of hen parties as well. And it was great fun. Um, I did a lot of work on my kind of brand vision at the very beginning. So it was really, really important to me that I felt um, current and relevant to quite a mainstream audience. I never wanted to be um, to just appeal to crafters and people who I wanted to just teach as many people as I could. So I worked really hard to appeal to a broad audience. Um, And thankfully, that work paid off. So things happened really quickly. Uh, I think the first thing that happened was we got um, a book deal with a really lovely high-profile publisher. So that was like a dream come true. So I wrote my first crafty book. um, And then before that was published um we got a phone call from the BBC asking if we wanted to be on Dragon's Den and I was just at that point saying yes to everything so said yes to that because I thought that would be incredible PR um which it was so that was a big thing and then I think the night after that got published um was on TV the first book got launched which was funny. So that just sold out on Amazon, which was a bit of a surprise. My web company told me off for not warning them about that. Um, and then off the back of that, um, we didn't get investment, which was fine. We didn't particularly go for investment, um, on Dragon's Den, but we got a lot of phone calls after that from companies wanting to invest or just work with us. So we ended up, um, signing a licensing deal with a company who we worked with for quite a few years, making a range of makery kits and products. That was amazing. Again, a lovely dream come true. Um, And they had amazing distribution. So our products were all over the place. So that was brilliant. Um, And throughout all of this time, I was kind of growing the business as well kind of on the ground so we moved premises a couple of times we also opened a shop um we were doing a lot of hem parties as well as the workshops so we um had a really large premises in the center of bath and we'd also started working with other retailers so we're working with john lewis in london and nationally hosting workshops with them in their space um Yeah, so it just kind of grew and grew. And then we started doing quite a lot of B2B stuff as well. So we were doing workshops and events, not just for people, but also for businesses as well. Um, Yeah, that's kind of, that all happened. Um,
0: I'll let you pause and... and yeah, take take a breath now because yeah. um, that's that's a lot you've done so much, Kate, um, yeah. and that's I that's why I think your story is so interesting because I think you know since two thousand and nine you've done so many things. I think it's just really useful for people to hear that businesses can evolve and change, and you can grow on what you've done. You can also yeah. leave things behind if you decide they're no well, the working. Thing.
1: Exactly. So so to be honest, it, all everything that I did was customer-facing. It relied on people being in front of people. So when COVID happened, everything changed for us. Um, there was another big thing that happened actually prior to that. So actually Brexit had quite a big impact on the business as well, which I could maybe talk about in a little while. But COVID was obviously the big thing. So all of a sudden, all of our activity pretty much was just ground to a very, very quick halt. Um, and that actually had... I was, I was deliberating whether to talk, talk about this with you. I don't know if I've mentioned it to you before, but um, I, so we had issues with an old big building that we'd had, which I'm definitely not going to go into, but ultimately um, we were asked to cover some money for that old building. Um, and I was just like, well, no, we can't afford to do that. Like all my business has stopped. I'm trying to pivot. Um, So we ended up liquidating the old business which is something that was really terrifying. And really, I felt like a huge failure at the time. I was like, oh my gosh, well, it's all been for nothing. Um, and I went through a small, short period of, I guess it was grief really. Um, but actually, it was it's made me so much stronger and I have learned so much from that experience. And it's all fine. And I picked myself up and rebuilt it again, not from scratch, because I'd already done loads of the work but i was really reassured by everybody i was working with they they were like we're not working with that business we're working with you and we want to continue to work with you and it was really amazing and and so i wanted to mention that because often you think you're faced with such challenges and you're working on your own and you um is you're you can be quick to feel like you've just done something awful but actually honestly it was a really really amazing experience in hindsight and it's given me so much so um so yeah so as a result of covid i completely pivoted the business and then i went online really and then since then i built it up again with the three channels that i talked about at the beginning and that's where i am now so it's changed massively over the years
0: um yeah but it all feels like it's been the right thing at the right time it's funny Am I right in thinking that you don't have any physical premises now? Is that correct? Yep,
1: yeah, that's right. So I just have my office here at home in the garden. And then I do have another office where I store the boxes and boxes of stuff that we need to carry out what we do. Um, and then everything with all the teams is done online. We I feel very close to them. It's weird. Some of them I've still probably not even met, even though I feel like they're some of my best friends. It's really funny. But that's, I guess, a legacy of covid as well isn't it like everybody's very comfortable talking on on video calls and things so yeah no no physical premises now was that a result of covid or had that happened prior to that actually it's funny so it had kind of happened prior to that really um so i was paying all this money ridiculous amounts of money for these premises in bath and it's a really it's it's um it's quite a heavy weight to bear, especially when you're in a, you know, UNESCO city and all the buildings are listed. And um, and it was it's very, very expensive. And I was also at the same time hosting workshops in John Lewis on Oxford Street and not paying any rent and thinking, oh, hang on a minute. I need to think about this in a bit more of a clever way retailers are really desperate to drive people the right people into store to spend time and have an experience and whilst they're there they always spend more money on other things because they're having a really nice time so I um walked away from all the premises and I just started working with retailers um all around the country and all different sorts of businesses and just helping them and helping me and it's yeah so so that's how we've operated since oh golly I don't know when probably about 2018 I think
0: yeah so that's actually quite good timing then
1: oh yeah tell me about it I know
0: I guess otherwise you could have been in position perhaps paying rent on a building that you couldn't use for
1: yeah no we, we wow. something dr- dramatic would have had to have happened so yeah you know as long as you work hard and you're sensible and do your research. I do. I'm a firm believer that things work out for the best. Um, you know, yeah, yeah.
0: Before we move on, let's talk about the other challenge you you touched on a moment ago, which is Brexit. So let's um, let's get all the challenges out of the way.
1: Yeah. So that yeah. was um, so up until then, 2016, most of our income was hen parties. So, we had this big, like, five story building in the center of Bath, and we were hosting loads of workshops. We also had a licensing deal. So, we had income from our product range um, and various other little things as well. But the bulk was hen parties. So, we were doing, I think we were turning over up to like £30,000 a month just in hen parties. So, it was really good. Of course, busy. And then all of a sudden, Brexit happened. And I hadn't thought about this at all, but people just stopped making large, big, important life decisions. Things came to a bit of a standstill in kind of wedding-y hen party type, or they, or they stopped spending money on those kinds of experiences. And it just pretty much stopped dead, which was a real shock to me. So I always knew that I needed to not rely just on one channel for the business. And I tried to spread things out as much as I could. But hemp parties was definitely the um, the main source of income. So for that to stop all of a sudden was quite scary. Um, and we did pivot, we did change and it was okay. Um, and actually, do you know what? Doing the hemp parties was probably my least favourite aspect of what we did as well. I mean, I did love it. It was really great because you had people come in and they weren't expecting to learn a new crafty skill and they'd go away really delighted. But it wasn't the same experience as having somebody coming and really, really wanting to learn a new skill. You know, it was a different experience. Um, So yeah, so when that went from about, up to about 30,000 pounds a month down to I think an average of four, I was like, whoa, the reason I've got this huge building is to accommodate all of these hens. What am I going to do? So that's the reason we left the building and we started to change the business model um, because this unexpected thing Happened to the nation and it actually affected us as well. It was funny. Like, yeah, it was it was scary, but it was okay because we had other pillars to build on. So yeah, I'd say
0: they've been the two biggest
1: um shocks to us.
0: Well, thank you for sharing those. And the reason I I wanted to ask about them and really genuinely thank you for sharing is just to kind of reiterate what we were saying before that that especially the longer you're in business I think the more likely you are to come up against things that challenge you or yeah. kind of set you off on a different course um and it's really interesting to hear how you've overcome that and how your business has changed as a result of that and I think that's really reassuring and actually I say the longer you're in business I guess you know for lots of us it happens sooner as well um yeah. you can't really it tell is. when these things are coming
1: yeah I mean I am um and I know that a lot of well, if you're entrepreneurial you're kind of that way inclined as anyway you kind of you'll want your solution driven so you'll want to find a way around a problem that you're faced with um and I, I don't I do relish that sometimes but obviously if it's a really huge issue then it takes a bit more out of you but I oh honestly every single time something like that has happened to me or the business I have you that's the best way to learn you if you're out so far out of your comfort zone and you're pushed to the very limits you, it's it's a learning experience like no other you know no one wants to really just kind of plod on and do the same thing day in day out and not push themselves and not learn and not expand what they're doing and and, and it's not fun at the time when these challenges happen but um oh my goodness yeah I'm I'm so much stronger and I'm better at what I do, I think, now, and more able to work with other people because we've def- I've been very, very low at times when these things have happened. And, you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I'd like to change the start, start it slightly, if that's okay, and talk a little bit about your craft kits because you mentioned those earlier. Um, so obviously that was a... they they're a physical product that you were selling um do you want to tell us a little bit about how they came about
1: yeah so it was kind of a natural progression really um I had a shop and I was teaching people how to craft so I was like I should make kits so that I can sell those in the shop that people can purchase as well. So I started doing it myself, literally on the kitchen table. I've got visions of having a little production line set up on the kitchen table, putting the the kits together. And then we got the phone call from dragon's den asking to go on and I was like oh perfect I can go on with the kits and say and that, that would be a really nice neat thing to ask for investment for and actually it would it's valid as well I'd love for these kits to be sold all over the place so it was really nice timing um so I went on with these kits they looked lovely a designer friend of Ours had put these really nice packaging together. Um, so I think we had a range of about six or something. And we were selling them in the shop, but it was all very much done in house. Um, yes, yeah, so we went on Dragon's Den, which is literally one of the most terrifying experiences of my whole life, um, but great as well. Um, and they, yeah, so we were talking about the kits, and it was really lovely. And then it literally the Monday after that was on air. Um, the phone just didn't stop ringing. <laughs> it was really exciting, and lots of people just asking if they could work with us. And one of the companies was a really lovely company, local to us. They were just on the same street, actually, although I didn't really know them. Um, and so we decided to go with them. And the reason we went with them was because what I talked about earlier with having a really strong du- strong direction and vision for the brand, and knowing that I wanted my kits to be in John Lewis and Anthropology and garden centres and all different sorts of places. I didn't want them just to be in, you know, Kate's Crafty Craft Shop, wherever you know. I wanted them to be mainstream, um, and I wanted to try and get as many people to love crafting as much as I do so that's the reason I went with this company which was called I don't think they exist anymore but they were called Wild and Wolf because they were very much design led so everything that they worked on looked beautiful and they had incredible distribution as well so it meant that they could quite easily get our kits into all the right types of places so it was really good way of going about things because they had all this amazing expertise and infrastructure to put these kits together for us. And we um and it was a licensing deal, so we got royalties for every single kit that they sold. And because their volumes were big, um, I don't know how many retailers they sold the kits in, but it was thousands internationally, um, it meant that it was a really good way of us achieving that goal. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. It was really good fun. Um, and it didn't last forever, like it was probably lasted about five or six years, I think. Um, but that felt right. It felt like the right time to stop that. We'd kind of got the kits out there then. And yeah, it was it was
0: great. Yeah, and that's really interest it's a really interesting way. So what these companies say they did they were there, I'm trying to work out what you would even call them. So did they they put the kits together? and yeah so and they worked with things. so we were the only kind
1: of unknown brand that they worked with really so usually let me try and think so they worked with like Orla Keeley and um like Scrabble I think maybe Paddington like very big brands um and they would design and make the products that you sell the v that was a nice one that they worked with the products that those brand that had that those, those brands you know images or branding on or whatever um and so they i think it we were helped by the fact that we were on the same street as them and that we had um this vision we already had a really nice really nice brand guidelines the logo was really lovely it was really fun and there was definitely an appetite so that was that was probably in like 2011 so back then crafting wasn't as big as it is now it was before certainly no sewing bee on telly or anything like that it wasn't it was it was more fusty than it is now there were slightly more yeah like fusty kind of connotations just with craft so um but they could see that there was an appetite for it so that's why they took a bit of a punt on us um And we were delighted that they did that. So, yeah, so what they did was I would work with them. So I would come up with ideas of kits that I thought would do well. Um, And it wasn't just kits. It was things like our own branded pots of pins and buttons and sewing scissors and ribbons and on these lovely wooden spools with like our logo burnt into the top. It was really nice stuff. Um, So I would come up with ideas around products that I think would do well. They would put that through their department of um you know product experts and see if what they agreed that they could put a range together for so there was usually like a bit of a theme with each launch um and then, so whether it was more kind of like making your own fashion accessories one time, whatever. Um, and then they would obviously do all the work with their factories and find out if they could get all of this, the supplies for it, then they would design it. So I had to sign off on absolutely everything. It was so exciting. So every week I'd get like a new box with maybe different colours of ribbon that I could sign off and things. So I just got all the fun jobs um, and they did all the work using all of their all of their infrastructure. And then um yeah, and then they'd launch them and we'd start getting royalty checks. So it, it worked really, really well for us. doesn't work for everybody with that way, but it, it I was really, it really delighted with how that deal worked out. It was brilliant. Yeah. It got us a lot of exposure as well. It kind of pushed us onto the next level because the distribution was so good. We were we were in a lot of places. That was a licensing deal, is that correct? Yes, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. That's I get I forget who's the licensee and who's the licensor, but we're one or the other, and they're the other one.
0: <laughs> that's really interesting though, because I haven't spoken to anyone who's he's who launched a product in that way. So that's really interesting to hear about. Yeah,
1: yeah it was to be honest, it was the only way that I, we'd never have been able to achieve that scale. So the amount of money that was tied up in stock, we couldn't have spent that kind of money. Um, whereas they did; they had that clout. Um, And also the the economies of scale with them purchasing in the volumes that they were purchasing meant that the price points were much better. So um, I could never I'd have carried on doing the kits and I might have managed to brand up some little pots of pins and things, but it would have never have been as profitable and as large scale as it was with them. Um, yeah
0: that makes sense because like when you when you were talking about some of the items I was thinking so things like the ribbon and pins and things like that I don't know what the margins are like but I imagine if you're sourcing as an individual that they're not going to be great if you know realistically so it sounds like because they had that economy of scale that yeah. everything was just much more manageable because I think that there might have been products had you been doing this yourself where you'd have said actually that isn't feasible for the Effort or the money or whatever it's going to take, actually, that's not a feasible product for me to sell. So it sounds like exactly such a big range. Yeah, exactly.
1: So it's yeah, when you're doing everything yourself, you have to question every product, don't you? Is this viable? Am I going to make money from it? Am I spending too much money on just making it look nice? Is it yeah? Is it is it viable? Yeah. And I didn't have to make those kinds of decisions with them. I just decide. I just put ideas forward as to what I thought. Would work for us and for them, and then together we came up with, um, yeah, with with all this range of product. Honestly, it was so like you know walking into Liberty and John Lewis and seeing this display. Oh, oh I cried so much, so many times when I go in and see things. It was really
0: exciting, really exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. I I can totally understand. I think that's yeah yeah I mean, that's, that is really exciting and yeah. it's yeah I, I think it's amazing that um, how lucky you know that not lucky but it's not fortuitous that you know you said yes to the opportunities that came your way that then put you in front of people that then led yeah. to this company contacting you because you yeah. earlier about saying yes to everything and then um, I think this is an example where I guess all those yeses led up to this yeah That was very much my mindset at the beginning was I just said yes to everything. And there
1: were plenty of things that I said yes to that I really shouldn't have done. But I learned quite quickly what was, well, not every time, but what sounded like a better proposition than others. yeah, it's funny. But it's but thinking about that. So that so you know, if you've got somebody who hand whose brand values are in handmade goods, that kind of licensing deal is never going no. to work for them. Whereas for me, it wasn't about, it was just I just wanted to get as many people making as possible and as many people experiencing the joy of making things yourself. So that was the way for me to do it. So it's not right for everybody, but um yeah, it's maybe an option that people don't think about, but it is sometimes worth it yeah
0: I think you're right and it's about knowing as you say coming back to your brand values and knowing what you're trying to achieve yeah exactly right yeah so yeah are you selling any kits at the moment or did did that completely no that stopped you the odds every now and then I do a
1: little like because I, I, I don't have copies of every single thing that we did. And sometimes I, I think, oh, that's sad. I would like one of those, you know, to give to my grandchildren one day or whatever. <laughs> it's very crafty. um So every now and then I'll do a little search on eBay and find something and get it. It's so funny. But um no, we don't sell any. I don't do any product, retail product stuff now at all, actually. It's all service driven completely for now. You never know.
0: No, you never and and I get the feeling that yeah, things will evolve. And if I speak to you again in a couple of years, I'm sure things will have will have changed. So that leads us on really nicely then. So let's talk a little bit about how you're using all of this experience and everything that you've done over the years to support other creative businesses.
1: Yeah, that it's been a real that happened after COVID. And um I didn't realise so I didn't I was a bit bruised by everything that had happened during COVID and I didn't, it was important that I just, I took a slightly different tack. Um, and I started getting a few phone calls and emails from people that I'd worked with. So a lot of people had come, like most of my team over the years, over those, I don't know, 14 years, or whatever, have been people who, Um, like making their own products or you know they've got creative businesses or or side hustles or whatever size they might be as well and they'd come and maybe teach workshops for me um, or work in the shop or do whatever and so after COVID I started getting phone calls and emails from those types of people saying oh can you help I just feel a bit like I need some guidance and you've you're further along on the path than what maybe I am. Um, and I was like, yeah, of course I can help. I would love to help you. And so I realised really quickly how much joy that now brought me. So I, I'd kind of um, achieved, and certainly haven't finished achieving, but teaching people how to make things. And now I still do that, but through the team. So I've got the wonderful team who teach people craft all over the country every week, Um but I did feel like I needed something different myself and that definitely came to me by helping other creative entrepreneurs, usually female, but not always um, grow their own creative businesses as well. And um, yeah, I've become a bit addicted to it actually. I love it. So I do a bit of one-to-one stuff with people now and then. Um, Well, most weeks. Um, and then I also have got a course. So I went on a um, really incredible small business course about seven years ago, run by Goldman Sachs, um, which was a really, really great experience for me. And it gave me a lot of confidence because I just always used to think, Oh, people just probably imagine that I play with glitter all day long. And I definitely don't. Like I am generally behind my computer and, you know, spreadsheets and whatever. Um, and, and that made me realise that my business was just as um, important as all of their more serious businesses is what I thought of them as in my head. And so I um, I thought, Do you know what, I could help so many people who might be feeling like that as well with all the experience, all the ups, all the downs, all the wins, all the losses, um, and just helped kind of steer them on their way. So, yeah, I wrote a course as well, so a six-week course helping um, small businesses just giving them confidence, getting more clarity around their branding, around their marketing, maybe what they're working on, um, and just being a a nice pair of ears or a sounding board for them to bounce ideas off, because it can be so isolating, working on your own and not having somebody be your cheerleader or help motivate you or answer to, you know. um, So that's kind of how that works, really, which is just, I just love it. I love it so much. Um, and that's that's what really motivates me now. So I still love doing all the other bits of the business too, but that's what brings me the most joy. Seeing other, seeing all of these lessons that I've learned maybe help some other people gain success as well. It's really so rewarding. I mean, is that creative businesses you're working with? They're versus? pretty much all, yeah, they are. They're not all crafty. They are mostly crafty, but there's a couple of other types, but they're all creative. So, um, for example, there's a business that um, sells secondhand children's clothes, and they are they happen to be extremely creative people. So they go about their business in a very creative way, and our brains are quite similar. Um, and where, but but most of the business are creative in some way. So whether it is, oh golly, all sorts. People who make things to sell, people who host workshops of their own, people have like um online uh crafty retail spaces, um, content creator,
0: all sorts of different people. Oh, yeah. that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, that's
0: great. Because I, I had thought initially that you were going to say it was mostly crafters, so maybe people who are crafting and then selling their products. So it's really interesting to hear like the breadth of creative businesses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh so what I usually do so certainly with the one-to-one stuff is we have a conversation a lengthy conversation first of all so that um I can understand exactly what direction they feel like they want to go in and what where how they've got to where they are and then vice versa they'll almost be sort of interviewing me really and if they feel like I'm the right person for them to work with so and usually it's right because otherwise I think people if you're out there online chatting on Instagram or whatever, they feel like they kind of know you a little bit. So I don't think they'd come to me if they didn't think we could work together. Um, but with the course, I don't know, obviously, um, when they, they'll they they'll sign up. And I don't know at the very beginning what types of business they are, but it has turned out to be, yeah, quite, there's always a link. It's always creative people. And there's always, there's usually some kind of link back to craft in some way, but that can take quite a few different Guises. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And I'd love to just get a little bit of advice on you if that's okay, Kate, to finish. Um, and I know that there's probably so much you could say here. Um, so you know, you can you can share as little, as much as you want, but so, what's some advice that you would have for other creative business owners? But based on, you know, you've had yes. so much experience with running creative businesses with products. So I know it's a really wide question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it to you with what you'd like to share, like the key things you'd like people to take away.
1: Yeah, well I did I did think long and hard about the best nugget that I felt I could share. And it's funny, it would probably be different if you asked me next week to what it is this week. You know, it's funny what's going on at the moment in your life. Yeah. But um I I think it's something that I've spoken about quite a lot today. And that so especially if you're creative, you will never be short of ideas and you'll always Think of new things that you would like to create or chase. Um, And I think there's two lessons there. So firstly, it is of vital importance that you um, don't just have one pillar, that don't just rely on one thing in your business. You've got to have multiple. So I think of it like, say, if it was a table, The table would be really, really wobbly If it just had one leg And if that leg fell down It would just fall over straight away If it had two legs It's still going to be really, really wobbly If you've got three Okay, we've got a bit of stability here Um, If you've got four Great And you don't want too many I think four is nice Um, I've got kind of I actually do have four. One, The fourth one is quite small, but it's still there and I could grow it if I needed to. But um, as long as you've got multiple pillars propping your business up, if something goes wrong that you're not expecting, and that might be something like cost material, cost of materials suddenly shoots up unexpectedly, or um, I don't know, the subscription or the fees on some kind of something that you subscribe to suddenly goes up hugely or it might be something like Brexit or covid <laughs> um but if you've got multiple pillars your chance of evolving and pivoting and survival is so much greater so um so it's really really important to just not rely on one thing and also like at the beginning i think i was it was going really well from the start so i got a i was probably quite um complacent right at the start i thought oh oh no it's fine we're going to be fine and um but no anything could happen and you just never know so that's the first thing but also to make sure that each of those pillars is viable so again it's stuff that we've talked about today so do your research is there an appetite for it is it something that is going to drain your resources in terms of your time which is your most valuable resource um and and leave you with no profit at the end of it or is it something that you can um you can make viable and you can make profitable and you're going and it's going to, you know, it's going to grow and be um, of interest to your audience. So just make sure you do that research at the start before you've maybe worn yourself out making something and invested in something. Um, uh, So yeah, so multiple pillars and make sure they're all, you can trust them all there. That's my best advice for today.
0: That's really good advice. Thank you. And I'm sure that I you'd have tomorrow it would be really good as well yeah. because you're right I think what well, I, I, I feel this most people I speak to I think depending what's going on in your life and your business now that's kind of what comes up yeah think I do it's funny
1: it's always yes well you're influenced by everything going on around you aren't you or what might have happened a win or a loss that might have happened that day or whatever um but yeah that's today's advice <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. that's really good advice thank you so much kate and thank you for everything you've shared oh thank you it's lovely chatting to you hopefully um people find it useful and enjoy the story a little bit <laughs> Oh, i'm sure they will thank you Pleasure.